itself is not worship in its strictest sense at the essence of what it is. We talk about going to worship services. We don't come here to worship. If we come here to worship, then what have we been doing before we got here? Is If worship is loving God and recognizing God, then how are we worshiping when I'm driving here if I'm not acknowledging Him and I can't do that until I actually get here at 10.15 and things start and now I'm worshiping. In the Christian community, the Christian world today, it's been very watered down. It's been very skewed. It's been, it's been described and it's been used in ways that really take away from the true essence of what real worship is. Of what it is at its foundation, at its heart. And that's what we want to talk about, and that's hopefully what we will capture today and realize how important it is that we understand this because it will have a tremendous impact on our life. Jesus said, he was talking to the woman at the well, and you remember she came and to the well and he said, will you give me a drink of water? And in, 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 in that course of that conversation... Jesus comes and he says, well, he says, yeah, I'll give you this living water. Go get your husband and bring, bring him back with you. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, you've answered right. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the man now you have is not a husband. You know, there's a lot behind that story, a lot of sadness. First of all, to be married five times, that's sad. There's something wrong there. That's not the way it works. This woman could be attracted to the wrong kind of guy this woman could have been abused when she was young and she's living that pain out in these relationships there's a lot of things at work here and that that are behind the scenes that we don't see but Jesus sees there's something in her that she needs and she has never found it and so he says, he, so he calls her on that and says, yeah, you don't have a husband. The man you're living with is not your husband. You've been married five times already. There's an issue here. And in the context, he's talking about living water. I'll give you living water. Well, she's been drinking stagnant water. She's been, she's been living in dirty water. And now he offers her clean water, refreshing water, living water. Well, who wouldn't want that? But she had no idea how to get it. And so, Jesus, and so she turns and diverts the attention away from her brokenness and the pain that she's living in. And she turns away from that. And what does she turn to? Well, wait a minute. You know what? You Jews say that up there in Jerusalem you got to worship. And, and we say that you got to do it down here in Samaria. And she goes, you know, really, who's to say what is what? I mean, who's got the right answer anymore? Who's, who, what, what, what are we turn and, and who do we look to for the authority on this? And she said, well, you know, there's some guy I've heard that's a Messiah. And, and maybe when he comes, maybe he'll tell us where we're supposed to go to worship. Diverting the attention away off of her pain. And trying to make some kind of a religious battle and contention here about it. And trying to ease her conscience maybe a little bit. And it's a great dynamic going on here. And then Jesus makes this statement. He says, the time is coming. No, the time is here. 
when worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, that's the kind of worshipers that the Father is looking for to worship Him. This is who He's looking for. This is what He's wanting. These are the kind of worshipers. Those who will worship in spirit and in truth. I've misunderstood this for a long time, and I've heard it said for a long time about what all of this means. This, that, when he says the worship in truth, he's not talking about worshiping the right way. He's not saying that there's some format that you've got to follow in order for it to be constituted as worship. Because that's not what worship is. He says to worship in spirit. And people say, well, yeah, well, you need, to put your, you need to have the right attitude about it. You might could put that in there a little bit, but that's, it's way more than that. Notice what he says, that the Father is a spirit. And he seeks those to worship him in spirit. What does that mean? Well, God's a spirit, and he created us in his what? In His image, in His likeness, we are spiritual beings. And what He's saying is, I want you to worship to where you are engaged in your spirit with the Spirit of God. To be fully connected and engaged with who He is. And then let His energy and His power filtrate into your life so that you begin to be what God created you to be. Connecting and engaging with his spirit. And then in truth, this is important. It's the truth of who God is. Let me explain why this is so important. Ever since I was a little, little kid, my earliest memories of my life have been that I have felt worthless, inferior, and insignificant. From the, I mean, as early as I can remember, I've felt that way. And that has stayed with me all my life. And what that has done is it has skewed my view of God. I always looked at God that He didn't accept me as I am. How could I worship Him? I looked at myself and thought, my sins have kept me away from God and He's so disappointed in me. There is no way that God would forgive me because I keep doing the same thing over and over again. How is he going to keep forgiving me all the, all the time? And all of these thoughts and all of these ideas and all these perceptions of who I think God is, that he's vengeful, that he, I have to please him, that I have to, to, to satisfy his whims, and I have to be what he wants me to be all the time, and if I'm not, he's going to punish me. All of that skews my view of God, and there's no way in the world I'm going to worship him. I'm not going to value him above everything else. My view of God is vitally important to worship because if I don't understand who God is I don't come to understand and grow in the goodness and the love and the mercy of God I will never worship him the way Jesus said that we need to worship him in spirit and truth why would I worship a God like that but God's not that kind of God that's me 
That's the God that I've created in my image. Not God creating me in my image. And so it's important. And what Jesus is saying here is that this is what we've got to understand. We've got to engage with him at the very core, the very essence of who we are. It's not about what you do on Sunday morning. It's not about whether you have one cup or ten cups. It's not about what kind of music you sing. If you've got a band you don't have a band, that's not worship. And we get distracted, and we get, we get distracted by that, and we get off course, and then we think that that's what constitutes worship. Worship is connecting with God and coming to a deeper understanding of who He is. And that's what Jesus said God's looking for. By design, we are people who, are, we are people who worship. We're going to worship something. If you ain't worshiping God, you're going to worship something. Doesn't matter. And you can look at the history of the world and you can see man will always worship something. Is that how much time I have left? I'm new to this. Oh my goodness, 11 minutes. And, oh my word. Okay, I want to get here then. We'll skip that. I want to look at Romans, the first chapter. If you want to see what worship is on the bad side of things, then we're going to read Romans 1, and hopefully we'll be able to pull from it what worship really is on the positive side of things. All right? Verse 18. I think I have it up here. I'm going to be reading a version, it's the, the Kingdom New Testament, it's, it's a translation by N.T. Wright, so it's going to read probably a little different from ESV or the NIV or something like that, but it's the same thing, it's a translation, just a different way of putting things, and I like the way he puts stuff, so I'm going to go with his. So we're going to read this, and that's what's going to be on the screen, you can read it there, or read it in your Bible, but I would encourage you to thoughtfully, carefully read this through. For the anger of God is unveiled from heaven against all the ungodliness and injustice performed by people who use injustice to suppress the truth. What can be known of God, you see, is plain to them, since God has made it plain to them. There are, of course, things about God which you can't see, namely His eternal power and deity. But ever since the world was created, they have been known, that is, His eternal power and everything, has been known and seen in the things that he has made. As a result, they have no excuse. They know God, or they knew God, but didn't honor him as God or thank him. Instead, they learned to think in useless ways, and their unwise heart grew dark. They declared themselves to be wise, but in fact, they became foolish. Verse 23, they swapped the glory of the immortal God for the likeness uh, and uh, for the likeness of the image of mortal humans and of birds and animals and reptiles. So God gave them up to uncleanness in the, desire, in the desires of their hearts with the result that they dishonored their bodies among themselves. They swapped God's truth for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 25 again. They swapped God's truth for a lie and worshiped and served the creature 
rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. So God gave them up to shameful desires. Are y'all keeping up with this? Because I forgot. Okay, thank you. So God gave them up to shameful desires. Even the women, you see, swap natural sexual practice for unnatural. And the men, too, abandoned natural sexual relations with women and were inflamed with their lust for one another. Men performed, selfless, uh, performed shameless acts with men and received in themselves the appropriate repayment for their mistaken ways. Moreover, just as they did not see fit to hold on to the knowledge of God, God gave them up to an unfit mind so that they would behave inappropriately. They were filled with all kinds of injustice, wickedness, greed, and and evil. They were full of envy, murder, enmity, deceit, and cunning. They became gossip, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, self-important, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedience to parents, unwise, unfaithful, unfeeling, uncaring. They knew that God had rightly decreed that people who do things like that deserve death. But not only do they do them, they give their approval to people who practice them. Do you see what's wrong with humanity? It is one reason that we are in the state we are in as a human being, and that is because we fail to worship God. That is what is at the heart of everything. Your brokenness and my brokenness is because I fail to worship God for who He truly is. This goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. They lived in the garden. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They, every need they had was fully satisfied. They walked with God. They were in relationship with God. They worshiped God. They valued God. They desired God. They loved Him with everything that they had until that time when Satan came. And what did he do? He deceived them. Just like Romans, Paul said here in Romans, they believed a lie. They believed a lie and they decided, you know what? God's not enough. I want something else. And they disobeyed him. And that has been where we've been, that's been the, de- de- the degradation of humanity ever since and to this very day and time. We are broken people because we do not worship God. We worship the created instead of the creator. And you think, I don't have an idol anywhere sitting around. Now, in in times past, there were a lot of idols, and they made idols. And notice what Paul says. They worship the created things in the image of man, and it got even worse than that. We, We started making statues of birds and reptiles and animals, and we fell down and worshiped them. That's what worship really means, is to bow down and prostrate oneself before somebody because of their value and their worth. And people were bowing down to things that look like animals and reptiles. But Paul said they are without excuse because we can see the glory of God. What does Paul, or the psalmist say in Psalm 19? I behold the heavens and they declare your glory. 
And here's the problem is that we look up and we see God's beautiful creation. And instead of saying, you know what, the beautiful God who created all of that, we say, I'm going to worship this creation. I'm going to worship the sun and the moon and the stars. But it gets even worse than that. I look at God and I see my beautiful, uh, okay, let me say, I see my body and how incredible it is and I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and all the intricacies of our bodies and how incredible they are and how magnificent they are. And you know what? I worship myself because I think my desires are key. I think what I want is the most important. And so I begin to worship myself. If you've got a, an addiction, it's because you're worshiping yourself. If, you've got, if you're a gossiper or anything else in that long list, where's that list at? Not that I'm going to go back over, but I want you to look at it. You find yourself in that list at the end, of that, uh, at the end there. All of, those, all of that right there, look at that. You find yourself in there. And you know what all is at the heart of all of that? It's self-worship. And so Paul is saying that mankind is where we are and needing of rescue from God from his, and, and for him to, to come and, and save us because we failed to worship him. And you look at the Old Testament, how many times did they, God bring them to the promised land and they worshiped and man, we were glad about God and we praised God and then pretty soon they started worshiping the idols of things around them. And God warned them, and he warned them, and he warned them, but they would not change. And so he would take them into captivity, and then they would be in captivity and, and so that he would, they would come to their senses and see their need for God, and they would come and cry back to God. What did God do? Ignore them? Did he say, no, you failed me 150,000 times. I'm not doing this anymore. Every time he went back and he got his people back. Because God's seeking people that will honor him and will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what he does for us. That is at the heart. There's so many things as you go through this, this chapter in Romans. They did not thank God. They did not honor God. They did not believe God. They did not retain him in their knowledge or hold on to the knowledge of God. They, and it says that they knew better how many of us sin and we know better? How many of us go after our own desires and yet we know better? I've done it a million times. And it's because I'm worshiping myself and I'm not worshiping God. All right, so what is all of this? What do we come down to? This is it. I found this statement by John Piper, and I thought this really sums it all up and brings it all to what the true essence of worship is all about. The inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied with God above all. All other things. That's the true essence of worship. Dallas Willard said that the heart of worship is to desire God the first and foremost thing in all of your life. And I've missed worship for 
all my, for 57 years, I've missed what the true essence of worship really is. To value God above everything. And you're thinking, well, what about me singing songs and, and all these other things that we talk about are expressions of worship? We'll look at the next sentence. It says, and then that deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God. You see, that's where it starts. It overflows in demonstrable, in demonstrable acts of praise from the lips. That's praising God. That's what we've done here this morning is praise God. These songs that we sing, praise God. They lift Him up. They, they make Him bigger. And then He says, and then demonstrable acts of love. In serving others for the sake of Christ. When we worship the way we're supposed to worship, and that is desiring God above all else, loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our understanding, and all of our strength, then that will enable us and equip us to love one another the way that we're supposed to love one another. And then when I go about my day, I'm thankful to God. I honor God. God's in my knowledge all the time. That's worship. That's the true meaning of worship. That is what should characterize us individually. And that's what should characterize us as a body of believers. And that's what should characterize the entire kingdom of God. Desiring God first and foremost above everything else. That's all I've got. I hope that it will help us to see and and ignite in us that we need to pursue God and do that. And when can we start? We can start now. You know, I wrestle with my past a lot and thinking because of my past, I can't do it now. Sometimes I feel so far behind that I'll never catch up. Well, I can't do anything about my past. I can't do anything about all the wasted opportunities, the wasted time. I can't do anything. I can't do anything about it. I can't just got to let it go. And it's hard. I know it's hard, but we got to let it go. Because we can start worshiping God right now and he will accept it because that's the kind of God that he is.